From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 182. Today's show is brought to you by Anchor, FreshBooks, and Mac Weldon. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined, as always, by the wonderful Mr. Jason Snell. Hello, Jason Snell. Hello, Mike Hurley. How are you? I'm very well. Jason, we have a Snell Talk question for you this week that comes in from another Michael. Uh, great name, great name. Michael wants mm-hmm. to know, Jason, when you're working at home, as you do most days, Yes. Is there a time of day where you switch to using your devices for purely personal use, or does everything blur together? Um, everything blurs together, I would say. I don't have any artificial sort of barriers where I have things that I don't check or do check. Um, for me, and I think I've talked about this a lot on uh, the Free Agents podcast that I do with David Sparks, where we talk about being independent workers, uh, but... What for me, what what has happened is that my device usage has a lot to do, and my physical location has a lot to do with with my work. So the um, uh, my anecdote is that Sunday I had uh to do a little bit of of work because I got a message from Mike Hurley saying that uh you wanted me to look into the planning document for upgrade, and I had not set the um, timer on my heater in the office to be on. And we've had a cold spell here. So it was cold out here and I didn't want to do that. So I actually got my iPad, uh, my, my iPad keyboard and sat in the, uh, sat on the bed on Sunday morning, um, trying to do my work that I usually do in front of my computer at my desk. It was just a very different thing. And I realized I have really compartmentalized my workspace to the point where I'm sitting there trying to work on the upgrade notes and um and lauren is talking to me um she ends up getting because it's just like we that's our hangout space and and we're talking and reading and stuff like that and then uh she went and got like cereal and is sitting there going crunch 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 on her cereal and i'm trying to type like show notes and things i'm like i can't do this i have I've become unable to do this. I have, I've been, I ended up like going into the living room instead. But the point is, that's how I compartmentalize is a lot of the kind of work I do. I don't do if I'm not sitting at my desk. Um, and, and that is, that is a thing that has happened over the course of the last few years that there are certain things that I just consider office things Mm -hmm. and it's not and and i think that's actually one of the great advantages of not having my primary device in in the house be a mac because it's an ipad it's more complicated to do some of the things that i do less complicated to do others but what it has led to is this kind of division of labor where there's kind of the mac stuff i do at my desk and then when i'm in the house I'm not doing most of that stuff. So I'm still online. I'm still connected, which is, I think, what Michael's maybe initial idea here is. Do you check your email? Do you look at Slack? Things like that. The answer is yes to all of that. But there are certain kinds of tasks that I don't do um, in, out in the other room. Or if I do, it's like with that, like my iPad. If I'm writing on my iPad in there, it's like with that little setup where I have the little stand and the keyboard attached and all of that. And I'm writing and that's usually when there's nobody around so uh, so yeah it, it does all blur together in one way and it turns out that it's like the the location and the hardware that are how i differentiate which uh, surprised me actually when it happened yeah it's very normal to just allow everything to blur together but the env- environments can change things for sure like depending on where you're sitting and and this can be as you say like just as simple as it's just quieter here so i can get my work done in this yeah, room well, rather than the other I mean, 
Now that you have your office, right, I would mm-hmm. imagine that a lot of the work that you do now, you, you sort of, that's work I do in the office. That's not work I do. I mean, I suppose you could do it anyway. You could be like, oh, I just do all the same stuff whether I'm on the couch or in the office. But at least for me, it it very rapidly became the stuff that I do in the office and then other stuff that I do elsewhere. Right now, I only spend time in my office when I'm doing audio production um, mm-hmm. and everything else is done throughout the house. But that is because- there you go. Um, I have, um, I've realized over the last few days that I need to reorganize my office and change some of the furniture because oh. now I've been in it for over a year. I'm yeah. recognizing what I'm actually doing in this room. And There's a whole episode of free agents about this because yep. this happened oh, to me when I mm-hmm. bought my, well, we talked about it briefly when I bought my Calax, uh, <laughs> shelves from Ikea, right? That was informed by, after you know, you set up the office not knowing what you're doing, and then you do it for a little while, and you're like, "Oh, this is not how I want it set up." So you've had that too. Yeah, and so I'm at that That's point great. now, and I think it happens after about a year, right? Like you're kind of yeah, I let it go longer than that, but I, I was just well, generally frustrated. I, but I'm also about eighteen months. Yeah. But like you know, it's it's that it's that kind of idea. Right? You get to a point, and you're like, you you have a vision in your mind for what your working environment will be like. But then but it changes with actual yeah. usage. Um, so, like one of mine is removing all of my video games consoles from my office because I don't play games in here. I play them in the right. living room with the with where the switches. That's where the better TV is. So that means removing that. Also, then removing the couch that I have and can put another desk in. So, like you know, I'm 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 kind of working it out right now in my mind. Great. Um, That's so. great. It's nice. All right, so let's, uh, thank you to Michael for that question. You can That's send a in one. a question of any kind to start our show. Just send out a tweet with the hashtag SnellTalk, and we'll pick them up and hopefully use it in a future episode. So moving to follow-up, the uh, YouTube Apple TV app has gotten some updates. This has been, uh, we spoke about it, I think, last week. Um, I think I'm the only person in the world that was happy with the redesign. Uh, everybody <laughs> else hates hates the redesign because it doesn't make the bloopy bloop sounds. Uh, but I'm, so I preferred the functionality of the new YouTube app. Um, however, uh, YouTube have made some changes. They've modified the layout for viewing subscriptions. So you're, you're kind of when just the channels that you subscribe to, it was a bit of a mess to try and uh, view those. They've changed that. But even better, they've changed some of the video scrubbing tools. So now when you pause a video, you can use the touchpad to smoothly scroll through the video. And it shows you a little preview as on like a mm-hmm. kind of a rolling carousel. Um, and you can also use the left and right clicky buttons on the touchpad to jump forward and back 10 seconds nice and smoothly. So honestly, for me, they have fixed the only problem I had with the app. So I think it's great. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is my experience with Apple TV apps. We were talking about there's a whole conversation that kind of came back up that I remember complaining about on Upgrade a while ago, a couple of years ago, about... Um, about like you know how Google's apps I was complaining like they don't use they didn't at the time use like the iOS share icon they use the the Android share icon which is the Google material design share icon but it's one of those things that if you're just an iOS user you look at it and you're like what is that and they've actually changed over time I I spent some time talking to a Google designer at XOXO the last XOXO and um and he was kind of irate but at the same time they were actually already kind of on it and um 
as Yasmin, our friend who works at Google now, pointed out that that is, you know, they do have some very specific sort of design guidelines about honoring uh, platforms in certain ways. You want to, this is the challenge, right, is you want to reflect your overall product line, but you also want to respect the user of a particular platform and the fact that they chose that platform. Like iOS, my argument was always iOS users chose iOS, not Android. There's got to be a reason for that. And so if you're Google and you say, you know what, you really should have chosen Android and we're just going to show you Android stuff, that's that's bad. And likewise, if Apple does that with an app, I don't know what that would be. Apple Music, I guess, is all um, on uh, on Android. The same rules apply. Honor the platform choice of the person who's who's using your app, and and the same for Apple, you know, iTunes on Windows and things like that, which I've heard is really bad. Um, so for me, though, on Apple TV, I really don't care about app UI. I mean, there are certain conventions of like, do I have to swipe up to see the menu? Do I have to press the menu button? What does that do where it gets frustrating? I feel like they should be consistent across apps in terms of sort of moving down and back up in like a hierarchy. But the one that really gets me is video control. Because like the Apple TV as a video playback device, like every app that does video on the Apple TV should do video playback more or less like what Apple's apps do. Like just honor the system convention for that. That's the thing that frustrates me the most. And I've, I've beaten up on them before, but I'm going to do it again because the Olympics just ended and all the video was on the NBC Sports app on the Apple TV for the Olympics. And the NBC Sports app is a disaster when it comes to video scrubbing. It doesn't follow any of the conventions of the platform. So every time, I, I forget, it's like you have to click to pause it and then you can scrub, but the scrub doesn't remember... Um, where you were, it's, it's just, it's a disaster. And that, so that's the thing, like seeing that YouTube has the tweaks for video scrubbing, like if you, if you behave more or less, it doesn't have to be exact, but like if the movements my thumb makes on the Apple TV remote to navigate through video are more or less the same on every app, I'll be happy. That's the thing. It turns out for me anyway, that is the killer UI issue with the Apple TV is just make it that if I want to go forward or back or pause the video or scrub through to find the thing I want, make that consistent with the platform because I don't want to play a fun game where I can't figure out how to go 20 seconds forward in video. Like that is awful. And Mm -hmm. the NBC app anyway, that's exactly what it does. And it is the worst. So, yeah. So I feel like Google, they YouTube have implemented their own UI and kind of the way that it works for this, but it's the base functionality is the same. Right. It's in in the spirit of the way you yeah. move through video on Apple TV, which is that's that's all I'm asking. I tend to hold the relatively unpopular opinion of like sympathizing with some companies over this sort of stuff. Like I think that this is a fine because YouTube have the the way that their comp their platform works, which is suggesting more videos to you. Like that's how their business operates and that's what they're playing commands do because when you pause and stuff like that it shows you other videos and i understand that some people don't like that but i i also don't believe that youtube should not follow their own business just because apple thinks they know better um that that's my general feeling on this stuff uh, we can get into this at another point again, but people tend well, to disagree with me vehemently, so I don't like to talk I, about it I, very much. I think, well, I mean, I think there's a balance there, right? Like, yeah, that, I don't. What, I think, think they've achieved the balance on this one. That's yeah. I don't think, and I, I know people do disagree with you on the on this one, but I don't think every Apple TV app needs to look the same. <laughs> I, I just, I don't. The whole point of it as an app platform is that they don't need to do that. And that's why I, I keep getting back to maybe what I really want is just a certain set of behaviors 
mostly involving the remote control, because that's the UI on the Apple TV. Like, li- there is no trackpad. I mean, well, there is a trackpad, but there's no, like, keyboard and trackpad. There's no touchscreen. It is that little remote with, a, with the buttons and the trackpad. That's what I want to be consistent. So if I press, because this happens now in Apple TV apps, I press the menu button, and, like, something weird happens, like... You like a lot of times it'll be it'll go back to the previous screen, but sometimes it'll just exit the app. Um, sometimes I'll swipe up and I'll get a menu. Other times, if I press the menu button, I get a menu. Like that, those are the things along with the video scrubbing that I I would like the app developers to look at what the standard platform apps are at Apple TV and say, let's do it that way because that's how people like basic remote control interaction. And then within that, what it looks like, what happens when you swipe around. All that stuff, that's all to play for. But like, there's a base level where if I, every Apple TV app is different in how it implements the remote, so that like, like pressing any button at any time becomes a real question about what's going to happen. That is bad for everybody. So that's where, that's where I draw the line. I get that other people don't. But for me, it turns out after using this Apple TV for a couple of years, that's, that's my complaint. Is like, don't surprise me when I press a button or swipe the trackpad on the remote. Don't. That's where I don't want to be surprised. Because imagine if you had a regular TV remote and on certain channels, when you press a seven, it doesn't go to number seven. It does something completely different. You'd be like, why does that happen? It's terrible. Uh, so don't mess with my my controls. I guess is is what I'm saying. But yeah, otherwise, I think I think, I think, I think we're pretty much in agreement. I, I think I think so. I think mm-hmm. so. I, otherwise, I'm happy to let YouTube be um, feel like YouTube. Yeah, you let them be. They are okay. So, uh, AirPlay two has been removed from the most recent iOS eleven point three beta. Who knows what this means? Uh, maybe they wanted to take it out because they had to do extra work on it. Maybe it means it's delayed. Maybe it's being pulled out of 11.3. We don't know, but it was in all of the 11.3 betas. But the most recent one that came out just about a week ago, uh, it was removed again. So who knows what's going on with AirPlay 2. Uh, I really hope that they're able to ship this soon because the HomePod, like, that's <laughs> what it's supposed to do. Um, Jason, I have a question for you. Okay. When is WWDC going to happen and when are they, when's Apple going to tell us about it? When do you think all well, this stuff's going to happen? I'm not a developer, Mike. I don't know. It it, it sounds like people are, t- are are thinking it's the week of the first full week of June, June 4th. I'm hoping that given last year's precedent, um, which I, I think we all laid kind of at the feet of uh, a Phil Schiller and said, Phil, uh, Phil had one of his little bits of uh, reconfiguration of how developers and Apple interface is that he's giving developers more time to plan their travel. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. nice. Um, that we'll ho- hopefully find out soon. Well, I-, I forget when WWDC was announced last year, but let's just guess it'll be similar. And then, um, like I said, I have no knowledge of it. June third, June 4th, that week seems like uh, what everybody we know is making hotel reservations for. Um, yeah, but I have, it's a packed summer. I, I, I took a guess and have booked a hotel for the first week of July. The the, the following June, week, say. the following week is my kids' last week of school, which is traditionally right when Apple does WWDC <laughs> because that's when all of the special events are for my kids' school, and I'm at WWDC the whole time. So if that follows, then it would be the week of the 11th. But let's hope it's the week of the fourth. The the um the Memorial Day weekend is the previous weekend, so um. So the fourth would be just just great if that's what they do. 
Yeah, I, I just think that just seems like it makes the most sense to me. The, 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 what's not happened yet, which is what happened last year, it, it was announced in February. Um, February 16th was when WWE Oh, yeah, so we're, we're a little bit behind now. And and I'm I'm starting to think that that was a an anomaly. Was that a, a San Jose war, like because they because they changed the event? They didn't want people going to the wrong city, so they exactly. announced it early. That's what that's. What I don't I know. Think. I I think there's nothing stopping them from doing it early. Um, I, honestly, I think in March. I think we'll find out in March. Um, okay, but well, uh, that's just what I'm. I don't know why I think this. This is just what I think. <laughs> unless it's today or the next couple of days, it will be which would be lovely or later. But March seems fine because I would like to book my plane ticket. So that would be really nice if I could do that. Yeah. But yeah, it's rumored by looking at dates of conference centers, which is how right. these things are always put together. Classic. Uh, first week of June, <laughs> June 4 to 8. That's on Mac rumors a couple of weeks ago. But I'm, I'm I am expecting so happy that there is somebody who really that. likes delving into conference uh, mm-hmm. you know, venue event calendars to mm-hmm. make their big conspiracy theory map about what is happening. Um, I, I I will point out that it doesn't have to be this way. Last, uh, so Macworld Expo, back, dearly departed, Macworld Expo, when you left the building, the big banner on the inside of the Expo Center said, see you next year. And had the dates of James the next Bond year's event. We'll be back. <laughs> yeah, right. So, so that's what we need from Apple. Is Apple needs to have like on the Friday, on the Friday evening of WWDC, you should get a push notification saying you should check your WWDC app, DC app. And when you do, it says WWDC will return on these dates. <laughs> and then you press OK, and it deletes itself, and that's the end. Something like that. Get on it, Apple. Oh, I would love that. That would be so good. All right, next week uh, on the show, we're going to do Mike at the Movies. We're going to be talking about aliens. So if you want to play along, that will be our final segment of next week's episode. All right, let's take a break and thank our first sponsor today, and that is Mac Weldon. They make the most comfortable underwear, socks, shirts, undershirts, hoodies, and sweatpants that you're ever going to put on your body. Frankly, Mac Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now, and there's a couple of reasons for this. Mac Weldon make... They're all of their stuff with premium fabrics. They pair this with meticulous attention to detail and they couple it all together with a simple shopping experience. Mac Weldon deliver a new level of daily comfort straight to your door. It is so easy to buy stuff with them and then once you get it, you're going to be happy. They make undershirts that stay tucked, socks that stay up and waistbands that don't roll. Everything is made with premium cotton blended with natural fibers. They met, and Mac Weldon are so confident that you're going to be comfortable in whatever you buy from them. They offer a no questions asked return policy on your first pair. If you don't like what you buy, just keep it and they'll refund you. No questions asked. I think they also just don't want to deal with the returns of underwear. Um, you know, yeah, probably. So, you know, that's just how that just is. Keep, like, keep just it, give it to a friend, yeah, put it on a scarecrow, you. whatever. And this actually happened to me the first time I bought from Mac Weldon. I ordered the wrong size. And I returned to them, and it was so easy. They were like, yeah, cool, no problem. They just took it back and, and did it. So like, this wasn't like uh, I had a problem. I just ordered the wrong size stuff. And they were like, yeah, no, don't worry about it. And then we just did the refund, and I bought the right stuff. And then I was super happy. Uh, Mac Weldon is my predominant like underwear and, and loungewear now. Um, I actually need to buy more of my sweatpants because I started using... They used to just be my flying pants, right? The sweatpants. Yeah. Uh-huh. But now I started wearing them to the gym too because I love the comfort. So oh. I'm wearing them out. <laughs> 
I am wearing them now. There you go. Uh, so yeah, yeah. So I good. I need to buy some. I need to buy some. Next time I'm in the U.S., I'm going to get it. That's what I do because they ship to the U.S. So when I'm somewhere like a hotel, I just buy a bunch of stuff, get it sent to me. Mac Weldon have a bunch of fantastic stuff, including silver underwear and shirts that are naturally antimicrobial. And not only do Mac Weldon's underwear, socks, and shirts look good, they will perform well for you. They're good for working out, going to work, traveling, or for everyday life. Listeners of this show can get a wonderful 20% off at MacWeldon.com with the code UPGRADE. That is M-A-C-K-W-E-L-D-O-N.com, code UPGRADE for 20% off. Our thanks to Mac Weldon for their continued support of this show and Relay FM. So there was a report at Bloomberg uh, from Mark Gurman uh, a couple of days ago that Apple is going to be revising the AirPods. This makes perfect sense, considering there was supposed to be a new case with wireless charging. Right. If they're going to go through that hassle, maybe upgrade the AirPods as well. So they have like a version two. Apparently, you'll still be able to buy the case if you want to, right? So you can use your current ones. I think that's what they said right. when they announced at the Air Power Mat, which BTW, where is that? Right. <laughs> where hey, is Mike, it? There, there's, there's 10 more months in 2018. So, yeah, or did, so did they say yeah. early or, or I think they just well, said sometime next year. So, their actual press, like plenty of time, no, at the time, but the website, I checked it, it just says coming in 2018. Yeah, see, so we got we got lots of time for the for the air power. There are yeah, some but, rumors that know. that March, your your favorite month, that, that there are some rumors that uh, March might be when the air power thing uh, finally ships. My so my it's, kind it's, of feeling on that is that that will drop. There were some rumors about um, a revision to the iPad, the nine point seven inch iPad uh, for March as well, because um, there was some like. Uh, European version of SCC oh. approvals for some iPads. Um, Maybe the iPhone SE will get updated then too. It's the March of minor products. <laughs> well, I I honestly think that that will happen because this is what they've done in the past, right? You just throw out a bunch of press releases for some products that people are not like hugely excited about, right? Like you just put them out there and you have like, just, here's, here's air power and some new iPads and some new AirPods. I, I expect that that's going to happen at some point in March. Um, yeah, this is like, it, there was some in kind of in Europe and Asia, there's some new regulation stuff and some countries like Belarus and Kazakhstan, it, it popped up on their kind of FCC-like stuff that these iPads are going through and they look to be the 9.7s, which mm. matches up with some supply chain stuff. So anyway, so the rumor for the AirPods is that there's going to be an upgraded wireless chip, so the W2 most likely, which will allow you to be able to call uh, Siri via the trigger word, which we will refer to as a high telephone, as we always do, um, and that they will be water resistant, not waterproof. They will be like, they will be at the level that the iPhone is. So, like, the watch mm. is like waterproof. You can swim with it, right? The phone is water resistant. So, you can get water on it. You can maybe drop it in water and it'll be okay. And that's kind of the route that they're going down with the AirPods as well. So, I guess you can safely have them on in the rain, would be my yeah. kind of like what they would show for that. Um, that seems like what they're saying. Because I, yeah. I can't really think of how else you would get them wet specifically, right? Like you couldn't swim with these things in, even if they were waterproof, right? Because they would fall out of your ears. Um, so I guess my question really is, 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 does this excite you in any way? Like, is this anything well, but, you actually really want from your AirPods? 
this this is interesting. I mean, it's great to hear Apple doing what they do, which is incrementing products forward. And we, you and I have we had an ask upgrade question a while ago about um, what about a, a next AirPods and. The challenge, right, is, I mean, I, I feel this way. I, I assume you feel this way, too, which is they're so good that it actually makes it hard for me to, I mean, maybe not imagine new features, but, like, they're so good that I just think they're great. Like, take your time, Apple. <laughs> These are fine. And so, you know, you end up with wireless charger. Sure, that sounds great. Water resistance. Sure. I mean, push that forward. People who are getting, you know, getting out in the rain and all of that, like, or or just getting sweat on them to make them more resilient for that stuff. Great. The, the rumor that they're going to listen, which is funny because when the idea of listening for the Ahoy earbuds uh, is, I thought, wow, that's a lot of intelligence to put in them. And then I realized it's not really. Like, all they really have to do is have enough power and processing ability for the microphones to be listening just for the trigger at which point they do the equivalent of pushing the button and the device that it's paired with handles the request um and so it's not like it's not quite like adding it to the apple watch it's it's a little bit lighter but these are all nice it's just i have one of those things where i i have a hard time it's the irony of not getting super excited about the prospect of airpods updates because i think the airpods are so good already can you think of anything that you would want from the AirPods? Uh, I have a couple of things, personally. I, I mean, I think I think ultimately they do need more battery life. Yep. I would expect that, by the way, right? So, like, this new version with the W2, I would... If, if they don't say that, like, oh, it's increased performance, which gets you better battery life, I would be very, very surprised about that. Like, that feels like something that at this age of a product's life cycle, it should be getting better battery, like how the Apple Watch did. Like, not that the battery life, honestly, is ever really a problem for the AirPods. Like, I, I never have a problem with them, which is funny because it's an intermittent charging device where you only charge it every now and then, but I never have them die on me. Uh, but I would, it would just be nice to hear them say, like, the, the AirPods themselves, not just the case, like, the AirPods last longer, so you can wear them for longer. Because, you know, sometimes if I'm yeah. on a transatlantic flight, they will die on me before I arrive. Yeah, um, I so have that yeah. every, every every so often I will be, I'll go for a walk and I'll come back and I'm still listening to a podcast and I'll be wandering around the house and at some point I get that little, you know, that little beep that's the... The one like, that the I'm first time AirPod. it happens, you're like, what the heck is that? Right, because you've never <laughs> yeah. heard it before and I didn't yeah. ever expect it. Your AirPods are talking to you, right? And I get that and I think, oh, right, yeah, the AirPods battery life isn't spectacular. And yeah, they charge up pretty fast and you can put them back in. But I think in general, that's a that that should be... That should be a goal of of these things. I I think consumer acceptance of them, despite the fact that they've got the long kind of uh, stems off of the end, the long the long uh, beams. Um, I still feel like in the end, uh, one of their goals is probably going to be to make those shorter. But I also understand that that's where all the electronics are, and there are probably other things to prioritize. Because I'm sure they would love it if it could just be a thing that just pops right in your ear. Um, with almost nothing visible like on the outside, but I think it's going to be a long time. And then the other thing that I can think of is also going to be something that is a long time in coming, which is um, at some point they should just be like 
uh, oh, there should be like a whole Apple Watch in there. <laughs> but it's so miniaturized that I think it's going to be a long time. And I think Apple figures you've got other devices for, for connectivity stuff, so they don't need to rush on that. So And, and that's that's why I come back to like colors, Mike. Colors. <laughs> I want colors. Yeah, I want colors. And, and I think they should make colors. It's kind of wild to me that they don't. Um, and I would still like some other less aggressive way of controlling them. Um, than the taps. I don't know what that is, or maybe like making the uh, the sensors for the tapping more smart, um, you know, a little bit more sensitive. Like, I don't know what the answer to that is, but the, the, that is the one thing I don't like about the AirPods is the thunking on the side of my head. I'm, I'm not a fan of that. Um, and I would like to see something, yeah. something more, something better happen well, there. One of the nice things that happens with, with having Ahoy earbuds is you don't have to tap at all anymore for, for hands-free i know i don't want to do i that. don't want to talk either i, I know. don't want to do it <laughs> I yeah well I, it. I can see i can see how having a different kind of gesture might be useful right yeah. like touch a touch gesture or something where you don't have to actually do the uh the big bump but you can yeah, just t- touch is what i want I-, I want it to be sensitive to touch not sensitive to accelerometer movement that that's the big difference we should mention the other rumor that's out there, which is that Apple actually is going to do its own question mark um, headphones mm. in the style of AirPods. What do you think about this? I honestly, the world of over ear headphones is just a mystery to me because mm-hmm. I don't like them. I don't use uh, them. Yes. I've never mm-hmm. used them. I I hate them. <laughs> so I'm going to leave it to you. I think it's fascinating that there might be a place between Beats and AirPods that's an Apple branded one and that's a that's like i assume that you know the apple would just ride the beats brand but i wonder if they figure like they can make like a premium apple branded thing where people who might not buy a beats headphone but they buy an apple headphone even if it's very similar to the the wireless beats that are out there maybe it's got a different sound like marco our friend marco armet was commenting on how he was intrigued by this because he uses over-ear headphones and doesn't like the beats ones um the the sound of them i think it was marco um but there, there are definitely people out there who are like oh no no it wasn't marco it was federico federico didn't like them and he was intrigued by this so maybe there's a, a case for something that is does not have the beats sound um but is still using apple's wireless technology and some people don't know anything about beats but they see the apple logo on it in the apple store and they're like oh okay apple makes these that's great so um i hope they're not white <laughs> but uh, i think it's interesting like they 100 percent will be white jason <laughs> oh my god can you imagine the 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 smudges on mm-hmm. on that anyway i i think um apple's got this tech and it's only in the two products now and they really like it and so why would they not put it in other products right of yeah. theirs I, I agree that this almost feels like an inevitability now that i've seen it it's like yeah of course right of course you have this technology that is built specifically for wearables and headphones why would you not have more like apple have always had like different lines of headphones, right? You know, like the ones they've always had the ones that go in your ear, right? They're like the more expensive ones. Um, but right. when they just do the white ones, like why not just do this? They have the uh, knowledge of Beats to help them put this stuff together. Um, honestly, I think that these will just effectively be Apple branded Beats headphones with a slightly different um, profile of audio and and the W two chip. I think that that's yeah. just what these will be, and that will be a great product and would probably be 
something that a lot of people will buy. I, I wouldn't. Sure. I don't think nope. I particularly would want these because the only time I use these types of headphones is on a plane, and I think I pref- and I prefer having a cable for the plane. I I would only want these if this is not going to happen. If there was a way to connect it with a cable to a like a just a regular headphone jack. Because I want to be able to take one set of headphones that I can play with my iPhone with an adapter and plug into my Nintendo Switch and plug into the airplane like system and all that kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. just a pure wireless over-the-ear headphones wouldn't necessarily fit my use case for over-the-ear headphones. Yeah, yeah, but I, I think a lot of people would love them. So oh, it, it, makes, it makes sense. I, because there, there are people that will will buy these because, like, in the same way that they have Apple, that people just want these. Like, why wouldn't they? This is a genius product to make. And, and I think, that, and I'm trying not to be cynical when I say this, but I think this is one of the ways that Tim Cook and Tim Cook's Apple behaves, which is what proprietary technology do we have? What products are we good at making? What product opportunities are there for us to make more money? Let's not leave those sitting out there right and this is the case where they can make these pro these they will be good they're not going to be bad they'll they'll be good and they will sell a lot and make a lot of money and i think um tim cook uh his reign that that is one of the things that that i've noticed about it right is provide products in all the different categories lots of different price points um if if there's something we can make that people will buy let's make it Right. Especially, I mean, if it's good and um, I'm sure these will be good. Right. I have no doubt because the AirPods are good and they've got the knowledge from from Beats about headphones. So I think this will these will be good for a certain audience who is not me. So you you wanted to talk about Arm Max today. What's going on? I know it's like a it's like a blast from the past. I thought I thought that it was a very 2017 thing to talk about Arm Max. Why why would we talk about them now? Why would we talk about what if Max ran Arm processors like the Apple design processors that are in the iOS devices? I brought this up. It's Stephen Hackett's fault. Okay, so always <laughs> I believe Stephen. So last week on Download the podcast that uh, Stephen and I do uh, with a panel. Um, Steve, I was traveling, so Stephen put the show together, and then I just was the talking head who asked the questions, um, which was kind of interesting. And uh, the the documentation for Windows devices running ARM uh, came out. So Microsoft is trying again to do a whole like um, se- separate line of uh, Windows that runs on ARM processors. Um, and it's Windows 10, but it's on ARM, and and we got the list. There was like a leaked document, and so we, there was a list of stuff that that Windows ARM laptops won't do. Now, why would you have a, a Windows ARM laptop? The answer is the same reason you might have a Mac ARM laptop, which is they're going to get way better battery life, like dramatically, shockingly better battery life than an Intel laptop would. That's that's the reason you would do it, but. On Windows, anyway, 64-bit apps won't work. Certain classes of apps um, won't work without being recompiled for ARM, and that will probably not happen. Uh, none of the legacy x86 Windows drivers that exist for Windows, every other Windows PC, those won't work. There's no Hyper-V, so there's basically no virtualization to speak of. Um, it, you know, and certainly no easy virtualization to speak of. And... Uh, a lot of older games and graphics apps won't necessarily work uh, because only certain modern versions of DirectX will be supported. So the idea here is that basically 
the idea that you could buy a PC and it's a PC, and depending on the specs, it'll do everything that Windows does. And compatibility it has always been like a huge strength of Microsoft. And also their weakness, because they've got this huge install base and it's hard to make a break. So here's Microsoft trying for the second time to kind of make a break and say, look, there's a lot of benefit to having ARM processors in these things. We're going to make them. Our partners are making them. But... <laughs> Some of this compatibility that you've come to rely on for old stuff is just not there. And so if you need that, don't buy one of these. Buy, buy a regular laptop, right? The, the, it's not like they're deprecating Intel PCs. That's not happening. But they're creating a class of computer that runs Windows 10 that doesn't do a lot of the stuff, the, the kind of old legacy stuff that a certain part of the PC market wants, feels they want, requires in some way. They may or may not use it, but they require it. Okay, so all this is interesting from an Apple perspective. It's sort of like, all right, whatever. It's it's Forget it. It's Windows Town. But it got me thinking about this thought, this thought process again about Apple, um, which is, and so this is a question I would ask you, which is, what would you give up to get a MacBook that has 20 hours of battery life? or 15 hours of battery life. Because that's basically what Microsoft is saying here, is, yeah, it runs Windows, but not all of this stuff. And I think that's a really interesting proposition. Like, how much of what you assume be, you know, it being a Mac is, are you willing to forego in exchange for having this kind of incredible battery life and probably it's super small and thin it's like a macbook but like with way better battery life i don't i don't know what what would you give up what would you be willing to give up well before i answer that what this honestly sounds like to me is what somebody goes through when they decide to work on an ipad it's like you give up all of the old stuff that a computer can do that's effectively like what's happening here i mean and i know that there's windows is still running on it but what you're getting rid of is a lot of legacy, right? So when you, you're talking about like um, certain types of apps needing to be redone, it's because there's no shell extensions anymore, right? So all of that stuff has to be removed before it can work. And so it kind of just feels like to me, like, yeah, this is, this is like what happens when somebody decides to switch to iPad. They have to, they have to shed themselves as their old ways of thinking about computers and then pick up again from what are all the good things about this new thing however if apple made something like this the reason the reason people would want it over an ipad is that it runs mac os and therefore runs at least some mac os apps right i honestly could see this being a world in which like if apple ever did this it would just be like app store only apps is a possibility but that's a maybe a question for another day me personally if i could get all of the apps that I wanted, like this would make sense to me. Like, sure, like I can work with that, right? That seems like a great thing. Like, we'll just go with it. Like, sure, fine, I'm happy with it. I can get huge battery life from my laptop, which would be good for me when I'm traveling. And then I can use Logic on a plane or Final Cut on a plane and it will work absolutely fine. Um, so yeah, I, I personally would do this, right? And I would give up whatever I needed to give up because a Mac user like me is still probably going to be able to do everything that they wanted to do anyway, right? Because I'm not deep inside of Apple Script or whatever. Right. But I think that this type of thing, 
It is that reason. It is the reason of giving up all the old stuff, which makes me think personally that Apple's just never going to do this. And what they will do is what we have been talking about and you have been talking about forever, creating that middle ground computer. The thing in between the iPad and the Mac, which is more like the Mac, but runs on an ARM processor, rather than taking what they currently have, stripping away all of the stuff that's just going to make people mad because they can't do it anymore, and saying, here is Mac right. OS on ARM, and well, you can't I do think... any of the stuff that makes a computer a computer to you. Yeah, the argument is that if... And the, the Apple has followed this so far, which is Microsoft has been making lots of changes to Windows, but Microsoft only has Windows. Apple has iOS and the Mac. And the argument is... The Mac's strength is that it's the Mac and it's everything you expect from a Mac. And why turn, if you're going to turn the Mac into something it's not, then it's not the Mac anymore. And it's, you know, among Android, Windows, iOS, and Mac OS, it's the least popular of them. <laughs> it's the second most popular OS run by Apple. Like, it's not. So, I, so this is the question is. Does Apple want to invest any time or effort into creating a half Mac thing that would be actually great for certain people? I, I get the feeling that maybe the MacBook was at one point going to be this, and they already made this decision, which was, eh, let's not do that. Um, like, what if we had the Mac running on ARM in a little thing like the MacBook? Um so they may have already just made this decision. We've seen it and that's the end of it. But I, I think it's this interesting question of like, if you're Apple, do you do that? Do you say, well, we're going to make, we're going to make a Mac. That's not quite a Mac. Or do you say, look, the Mac should always be the Mac. It should be what it's going to be. We're going to keep it around, but we're not going to invest in a, in a, you know, a fraction of the Mac market, which is already pretty small that runs this totally different processor architecture even if what that would get you is like a laptop that runs iWork and maybe Microsoft Office and some other stuff, but like, but doesn't do a lot of things that you're used to doing. Um, and the argument could be that at that point, yeah, you could also just do that on iOS, which is, I just think it's fascinating. Like what fascinates me about it is people are going to start comparing these ARM laptops that run Windows to Mac laptops, right? That's going to happen. And Apple's going to look bad, right? I mean, I think that's going to happen because these things are going to have Im insane battery life. Now, maybe they'll be slow and maybe the, you know, the Mac, but the MacBook's kind of slow too, right? The, the, it's going to be at least a possibility that Apple's going to look kind of behind the game here. Mm -hmm. But, but I'm not sure this is a game Apple wants to play. I don't think, I, I'm not sure they could. They could do it. Like, there's nothing stopping Apple from doing this. But do they want to play that game? Or do they want to keep their eyes on on something else? And that's, I just, I mean, I, I don't have an answer here because this is, I feel like, one of the big questions of our time in terms of what Apple is strategizing is, like, how far do you take the Mac? And when do you, uh, when do you step away and say, we're not taking it any further down this road than we've already, already brought it? it? The Mac is the Mac and it's going to remain so. But when you see what, Microsoft is doing, Microsoft of all companies saying, we're breaking a lot of legacy stuff that is like, that's their bread and butter is the legacy stuff. And they're like, nope, we're not going to do it. Uh, I get why they're doing it. I think it's actually kind of smart. We'll see 
the uh, what Carolina Milanese said on download last week was Microsoft talks about doing making these breaks all the time, but will they will they live yeah, up to or it? Will they go back on themselves? There is a thing about uh, I want to compare between Microsoft and Apple here, right? It's like so. So what will happen is Microsoft will start making these PCs or having their OEMs make PCs as well, and they're going to be like, we're getting twenty to thirty. Uh, hours of battery life or something insane. I know it's not going to be that much, but let's say like 20, 20 hours of battery life, right? But that's all Microsoft do, right? So like Apple are going to be compared to and be like, oh, the MacBooks don't do this and blah, 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 blah. And then that will be that and people will be upset. But I, I don't think Apple are going to do it because it doesn't necessarily matter to them. This is Microsoft. This is the product right. that they make. They make PCs. That's all they... That's all they got is Windows. They have no tablets that people want, and they have no phones that people want. They don't even have a phone division anymore. So, like, they have to do this because if they don't do this, they have nothing to sell. Apple don't have to do this. They're still going to sell the Mac whether it's got 15 hours of battery life or 7 because they'll also sell their iPads, which get. 10 hours of battery life and do you know what apple could probably start pushing that if if these if these pcs start getting 15 to 20 hours i wouldn't be surprised to see apple starting to push battery life on the ipads which is clearly not being a priority because the battery right. life of 10 hours is really all you need but it will give them a number that they can compare it to and they'll be like well this is this does 15 hours of battery life and is the future of computing anyway right that's kind of the, right. probably what they'll talk about but they don't need to compete with Microsoft on the battery life of their laptops because the Mac is not as important to Apple financially as the PC is to Microsoft. Right. Yeah, no, it's 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 very much a if Microsoft jumped off a bridge, would you jump off a bridge kind of thing. And Apple doesn't need to do that. Apple Apple doesn't have to do that. If Apple wanted to make a great battery life touchscreen uh, super thin and light laptop today they could absolutely do it and it would be an ios laptop it would be that ibook that that i've written about a few times um i'm not saying they're going to do that either right but i do here's the thing though i look at these products and i think apple's got to do something is the macbook their entire answer here is the macbook running intel processors can they have can they update that and say, this is our answer to these laptops, these Windows laptops. This is, and again, Apple doesn't have to pe- do Windows uh, device for device. Um, so many Mac users are Mac users. They, they choose that. They're not like, I'll, I'll use any operating system as long as, uh, as long as there's a piece of hardware that I want to buy. There aren't a lot of users who feel that way. But still, I think there's some pride there. Like, if, if we have these laptops and Apple's going to compete with them, what is that product? And is it just a, a revved MacBook again? Or is it something else? Because Apple, I feel like Apple compete, could compete with these products three different ways. But it's probably not going to choose all three ways. It's going to choose one or maybe two. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I Again, no answers here because... You know, sometimes the analysis is fun because it's like, here's what I think Apple can do. In this case, it's like, Apple can do any of these things. What does Apple want to do? And that we don't know. I think that we're more likely to see um, Apple make your iOS laptop before a macOS ARM laptop. Uh, yeah, I mean, unless they really just change uh, change directions. And uh, but I, I I've seen uh, nothing. 
by the way, a uh, news alert just came in from the chat room. Microsoft has apparently started selling Lumia phones again. Nobody understands why. It was. I've, I'm looking at this now, and there's a report on Gizmodo. It just they just appeared. It Extra looks stock. Like, uh, they said like the Gizmodo reports is what I would expect. It looks like they just found a pallet of these somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's like the Flying Dutchman. This phone like appears mm-hmm. and disappears every so often. And this is like, not, oh, look, this Alumia. is not a We've revival of Microsoft's smartphone no. plan. They Nokia just have some is, stock they need to dump. Nokia is going to sell that uh, phone from the Matrix. The banana phone? Yep. Yeah. We... Nokia is doing some stuff that, that, you know, more power to them. They're like trying, yeah. they're trying to get back in the game. And, and I, I think that's pretty cool because they're doing what they do. They're making cheap phones and they're making some of those like Android one phones, right? Like the super cheap right. Android phones are selling developer markets. Like somebody has to make those phones. It should be a company that knows what they're doing. And I think it's cool that Nokia are doing it. Okay, so let's take a break to thank our second sponsor this week, and that is Anchor. Anchor is absolutely the fastest and easiest way for anyone to make a podcast. If you have a thing that you want to say or a moment you want to share, you can. You don't have to have a mobile recording rig. You don't have to have a podcast rig of any kind. You can just download the app from the App Store and record into it like you're talking on the phone. Then Anchor will take care of the rest. Anchor have just, like as of last week, made a huge update to their system. It is now even easier than ever. To start a podcast, not just with Anchor, but with anyone. They have the web system now, so you can upload files directly to them that you've produced on a full system if you want to do that. Um, Anchor now have analytics and will help you distribute your show to a variety of platforms, and they do podcast hosting absolutely for free. As well as allowing you to create a quick podcast of your own, Anchor is also a cool social network. You can follow people, call into their stations, leave questions, you can have voice chats, it's really sweet. So if you want to find out more about Anchor, there's a great way to do it. Go to anchor.com slash RelayFM. This is where you will find our brand new show called Subnet. It is a tech news flash briefing show, which is hosted by Stephen Hackett. And Subnet will give you the latest headlines to help keep you informed about the top stories in technology. We have worked with Anchor on this. We're using Anchor for hosting because they have helped us uh, get this show onto Amazon Echo and Google Home. So you can have it as a flash briefing. Uh, if you go to anchor.fm slash RelayFM, you can check out what Anchor has to offer and you can check out Subnet. Uh, but you can also set up Subnet on your Google Home and Amazon Echo today and start listening. And that is in part because of Anchor's amazing platform. So if you want to start a podcast, go check it out right now. And our thanks to Anchor for their support of this show. Breaking news, Mike. Breaking news okay. from mm-hmm. from Mark Gurman at Bloomberg. As we uh, worked on the show, uh, listener viewed in the chat room, uh, pasted this link in. Uh, I wouldn't say that this is a new rumor so much because I feel like the supply chain and KGI already had this rumor. But Groomberg, yeah, sure. Gurman at Bloomberg is reporting this story that we talked about a while ago, which is that Apple is intending on releasing one, an iPhone 10 plus, essentially a larger OLED screen in the style of the iPhone 10, which I think is Hmm. fair to call at least for now an iPhone 10 plus this fall. And, um, a replacement for the iPhone 8 product line, which, um, according to German's report, the feeling is it looks too much like, you know, because it's the iPhone 6 design, it doesn't look new. And so what they're, what, according to German, they're planning on doing is creating something that looks very much like the iPhone 10, 
but has an LCD screen and has, you know, an aluminum bezel and is not made of like the premium materials and stuff that are in the iPhone 10 that allows them to sell it at a lower price, but has more of an iPhone 10 look about it. And I assume that would be like the iPhone 9. So, yeah, this is a confirmation of Ming-Chi Kuo's report that we were talking about a few weeks ago. Exactly. So it's not not quite new, and it's Mark Gurman and Debbie Wu on the byline there. But it was just as we uh, as we started this morning, this this came out. So it's yes, it's a very it's a very similar kind of story um, than what we've heard, which is uh, it's interesting. Like I mean, and he frames it as iPhone 10 sales haven't been as strong as Apple um, as Apple had hoped. I'm not entirely 100 percent sure I, I buy that part of the narrative here, but certainly when we all discussed where Apple could go next. Um, a, a plus version is something that you and I both talked about. And then I think it's intriguing, this idea that, um, you know, people buy phones because they look new, not just because they are new. And the problem with the iPhone 8 is that it looks just like the iPhone 7 and 6S and 6. And so do you want to do a next generation or a, a next version of the iPhone for 2018 that is literally just the six, success, seven, and eight again. And the answer here would seem to be no. <laughs> Instead, we're going to make it look more like our super hot high end 10, except it'll be, you know, made of cheaper materials because it won't have the OLED screen and it won't have the, uh, the stainless steel and, you know, who knows what other details are in there. And I think that's, I think that's not a, uh, not, uh, not a, an unbelievable rumor. That seems that seems reasonable as a product direction for them. Yeah, I'm really struggling to get my head around the I, these two ideas in parallel, right? Like one that the iPhone 10 isn't selling as well as they'd hoped, but they sold a lot of iPhones, which therefore means they must have sold a lot of eight and eight plus. But then you're making a phone that looks like the iPhone 10 because you want to make sure that people buy your phones. But they were buying the 8 and 8 Plus if they didn't sell a lot of yeah. iPhone 10s. So it all doesn't marry up for me. Like the logic is is there in each of the individual components, right? Like I yes. understand the logic of all of them independently. But when you piece them all together, it doesn't. They they don't marry up anymore. This this is the um challenge with reading a lot of these reports that have some details and we've talked about it before with with german but um, i think he's a very good reporter with good sources since he's been at bloomberg though i definitely feel like bloomberg wants to apply more of a broad narrative to every one of his stories like at nine to five mac he could make news by saying oh i can confirm that report that they're working on an iphone 10 plus Right. And he would write that story with a little bit of background. But the Bloomberg editors seem to want to put it in the grand story of what's going on with Apple. And that means fitting it into a narrative. And, you know, again, having only read this story while we were on the air here, um, it looks to me like the product stuff is probably solid. And then the reasons why are imagined. Like based on the existing narrative and existing like, well, we've already talked about how maybe the iPhone 10 sales are disappointing and this and that. But like I discount when I read these stories, I largely discount the reasons why and just stick to the reports about the like there's a new product here because the reasons why are trying to build that build that narrative and Bloomberg wants to do that. I get why they want to do that. Um, their audience is going to be a little less breathless perhaps about uh, the specs of an iPhone 10 plus than the nine to five Mac audience is, but it does lead to he- some head scratching moments where you're like, yeah, 
I don't know if that actually makes sense. I'm not clear if it's actually like, I don't generally see in these stories, you know, somebody who's familiar with Apple strategy says that this is what the strategy is. Instead, those are often sort of like just stated as facts um, without any sort of like according to the people, which is also weird. So yeah, there's a lot to think about on that one. I haven't read the report yet because it's breaking news, but that's very it is very interesting and I want it and I want the iPhone 10 Plus. I, I don't care what it is, I want it because that's I'm crazy like that. There was a, an article by Charles Arthur. Who is Charles Arthur? He's a, uh, a tech journalist in okay. your your nation, the United Kingdom. Um, and he wrote a little thing about uh, the... Uh, basically, his MacBook Pro died. <laughs> and uh, so he's just started using his iPad Pro instead. Um, and it's a good story. We'll put a link in. He has, he has a... Uh, uh, newsletter, daily newsletter called the Overspill, um, and uh, it was it was kind of cool to see somebody who was not like, all right, here I am, I'm going to make the, I'm going to make the leap, but more like, oh, I need to continue doing my job, and my laptop broke. I'm just going to use the iPad Pro. It's here. I can I can do it. And then uh, he went through the details, and he you know he's got Word and Scrivener working on his book. Um, he's you know got Google Docs and Skype, and you know all of that stuff works. He has some workflow stuff that he built and even some pythonista scripts that he built so Mm -hmm. it's a little shades of federico but yeah it's like he went through the process that everybody goes through but it's not a process you go through until you go through it like yeah (laughs) he went through the process of somebody moving to the ipad but he did it under duress instead of like interest but he still took the same path that you took yeah. and I took and Federico took, right? Like of, oh, okay, so I'm going to use this thing for whatever reason. And what if I need to do this? Oh, well, then I need to do that. And what if I need to, oh, this works. Oh, and this works and this works and this works. And I might need this workaround, yeah. but I can still make it happen. And here are the five or six things that don't work very well. And yeah. he nails those too. That's the thing that I really was delighted by. This is somebody with somewhat fresh eyes looking on this subject. And like he mentioned lapability, which I think is actually a huge problem in all the tablets that try to also be laptops is uh, sitting in a lap like a laptop is they're not good at it. Like the Microsoft Surface has a kickstand. Um, the uh, the smart keyboard has its kind of like folding thing. They're not super stable in your lap. They're kind of made for being on a table i actually tweeted at him and i said i ended up getting the bridge keyboard because i really wanted to have that laptop context um and that was the only way i could do it because it, it's definitely a failing of of all of these products and he talked about like selecting text is is painful um websites that are that are even on a 12.9 inch ipad pro they are convinced that you need the mobile version of their site which is so frustrating like you know i'm not using a phone here i'm using a 13 inch computer just give me the regular version of your site um and some other stuff that that he found it's really good um it was it was a really good story and it brought back the sort of like thoughts i just was traveling for a week and i didn't bring my laptop and i didn't even think about it i just traveled with my ipad and and it was fine i recorded a couple of podcasts i used my little wi-fi uh box thing that does the transfers really fast from the from the memory card in my recorder over to my iPad so I can edit on the iPad uh, because Apple doesn't let you actually copy audio files off of a SD card with their own adapter. So I have to use a workaround, but it works. Um, I brought my external keyboard um, 
Although it turns out I only used that a couple of times because I was trying to actually be on vacation and not and not work. And uh, it just it struck me that I went through this where Charles Arthur is. Um, I don't do all of my work on the iPad because I do use my Mac. But if I if my Mac died, I I would find a way to do my job with my iPad just fine. Um, I wanted to use this though as a way to check in with you and see uh, where are you on iPad stuff right now. No change. Um, I'm using the iPad as much as I ever have. Um, again, like as a reiteration for anybody tuning in, right? Like I use the iPad, I use iOS for all of my work that is non-production. So if I am not recording or editing a podcast, I am on my iPad. Um, this includes entertainment, games and videos, as well as all of my email, all of my show preparation, all of my social media, um, all of my business running happens on my iPad. And iOS 11 has been a huge step for me productivity-wise. I have settled with iOS 11 very nicely. Uh, The multitasking for me is so much better. The flexibility of being able to move the apps around, switch them around, have a third slide out, that has really, really significantly improved my workflows. Um, The Files app has extended the system so much more it's made everything way more flexible uh and this is also kind of coupled with just some animation tweaks you know like applications they just open now they don't like flip around on some kind of carousel (laughs) every time you open it you know it's like little things like that have made me feel much more productive uh on ios 11 uh my current hardware i'm still perfectly fine with i have no burning need for new uh, iPad hardware. Um, I use the 12.9-inch at home. It's like my desktop. It's my home computer. And then my 10.5 is for travel. You know, it's like whenever I'm out of the house, it's like the equivalent of a laptop. Um, And both of those are working incredibly well. I have no problems with them speed-wise. Screens are incredible. Like, I don't feel the need. You know, like, I have been in that situation, right? So when we're like 18 months into the first 12.9 inch iPad which it went for before it was updated at all Uh, maybe even a little bit longer than that like I felt the need for it but you know these things are six months seven eight months old and I could go another year on them I think before getting any hardware updates and I'd be perfectly fine with that I'm still using my original first generation 12.9 inch iPad Pro I didn't know that yeah it's just fine yeah, of course it's it is. Fine. It's always always a, a good machine, right? But like there were things yeah. that I wanted, you know, I wanted True Tone uh, stuff yeah. like that, right? Like which because I had the the nine point seven that had it, and I was missing it on the on the bigger one and the faster Touch ID and stuff like that. But none of those things were necessary. It was just stuff that I wanted. Um, right. I still use the Apple Smart Keyboard uh, for both. Um, this is purely on the sense of versatility. Uh, its size and weight, and the fact that it uses the smart connector. Those are the three things for me which make the smart keyboard keep winning. You know, like I think about the bridge. I think about taking, playing bridge keyboard roulette to see if I get a working unit. But I don't want a Bluetooth keyboard. And I don't want something that's going to make everything so much heavier and stuff. So like I go backwards yeah. and forwards on it. And honestly, for me, the smart keyboard works and I know the positions that I have to sit in to make it work on my lap yep. so much so that I don't even think about it anymore. It's really good. I don't love using it on the lap. It's usable, but it's not great. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a good keyboard. I greatly prefer the one, the 10.5 
than the 12.9 because it's just so bulky on the 12.9 for obvious reasons but yeah it's it's covering so much more more ground there but yeah it's a good keyboard and just just as the way a keyboard feels it is my favorite keyboard like it feels great to the me. great disappointment of uh of the ipad pro smart connector is that there are no really great alternatives to the smart keyboard but it does help that the smart keyboard is really good like that 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 eases the pain of that a little bit and i still use the apple pencil uh for note taking and occasional ui navigation like during intensive tasks like if i'm putting a bunch of stuff into a spreadsheet i'll grab the apple pencil and tap 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 around like i am as happy as i have ever been with my ipad usage i know that there are people that go backwards and forwards but I couldn't be happier. I could not be happier with it right now. And uh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good for another year, I think, with everything. You know, I just want some refinements to iOS 11 just to make sure that they can work out some of the kinks, some of the bugs, especially those in Files app. And I'm good on hardware. Like, I could go another year with exactly what I've got, and I think I'll be fine. All right. Good. Good check-in. Do you want to just talk about Altos Odyssey real quick? Yeah, we should do it. It's such a good game. It is great. Um, so I there is a, uh, a we did a review of the game on Remaster, um, which is a video game podcast that I do on Relay FM. If you're interested, um, but I know that you were a big fan of Alto's Adventure. Um, yes. So I wanted to see what your feelings are about Alto's Odyssey. Like, did did it? Fulfill what you were looking for uh, out of the application. Did it surprise you in any ways? Uh, is it something that you're sucked into in the same way that you were the first time around? Yes. Um, basically, yes. It is. Uh, what I love about Alto's Odyssey is that, first off, Alto's Adventure, one of the greatest games for the for iOS. Mm-hmm. I played on the iPad, but one of the great games for iOS. I, I was playing... I started playing Alto's Odyssey, and I realized this is what a AAA... <laughs> iOS game looks like like this is the real yes. stuff this is the real stuff it is a great follow-up in that I can use my skills gleaned in playing lots of Alta's adventure and yet it is so that, that that's where I start from and then it adds other dimensions so because this one is set in a desert landscape instead of in a uh, snow landscape it's got different graphics they are the you know the sound is beautiful the graphics are beautiful the the terrain is far more varied than it was in alto's adventure there are gameplay modifications there are improvements to existing gameplay where they took things that weren't great like the feather and replaced them with new functionality that's different but better and there are also lots of extra uh, quirks to gameplay involving things like the there are the balloons there are different types of uh, like the vine runs that you can go on that are that behave differently. Um, there are uh, the uh, what else? The, the wall riding is a completely wall different wonderful. mechanic. Water so and th- how the the water water affects, uh, your combos and stuff like that. Yeah, so there's a lot um, there's a lot in here. So it rewards the existing Altos Adventure user. It doesn't feel it feels familiar, but doesn't feel like a retread, which yep. is a tough line to walk. Because if you, like with any sequel to anything, if you make it too much like the original, like the Hunger Games sequel, not to pick on that, but that's a good example of like, a lot of a lot of books are like this, which is like, oh, people like that book. I'm going to write that book again. 
and they'll buy it again. And like the second book in the Hunger Games sequence was like that, where it's like, how do we get them to play the Hunger Games again? Let's do that. And you see that a lot, right? And a truly effective sequel, the most effective sequel, is one where it's familiar and it's you love it for the reasons you love the original, but then it, it transcends it. It goes further. And that is something that Alto's Odyssey really does do well, which um, I was very mm-hmm. impressed by because I was worried it was going to be Alto's Adventure with a couple minor tweaks and some new graphics. And it is those things and more. It took everything that was good about the last game and then made it better, right? Which is... Like everything, everything is better in this game. After about 10 minutes, a phrase popped into my head, which I completely stand by, that Alto's Odyssey is the gold standard of iOS games. Like, Mm. I think it may be the best iOS game ever made. Like, it is perfect in every way an iOS game can be. Um, I don't think it works very well in other places. Like, I can't imagine. I don't think I would enjoy this on the Switch, for example, because it's not what it's about like the direct contact with the screen yeah. is what makes this game perfect it was designed for that the tactics on the iphone are incredible but it's great to play on all devices like it's easy i find to play on the ipad yeah pick a screen you can kind of observe the environment more the music you hear this like one track i don't know how long it is but you hear it over and over again it doesn't get old right because it's a beautiful piece of music the the graphics are incredible that they've done so much more with light in this game which i really like i love the lighting effects um it is improved in every single way but without being a retread as you say like i I said this in remaster i say here too like a good comparison for me is monument valley monument valley 2 i kind of got bored of halfway through and like and i loved monument valley but the second one for whatever reason it didn't it just didn't really feel like it was adapting in the same way. It felt like it was just making like a bigger, more difficult version of the first game. Yeah, it was. Uh, that's how I would say it's like more levels of Monument Valley is yeah. what it is. Whereas Alto's Adventure is not quite more levels of Alto's Odyssey. It's no. got because there's enough other stuff going on in there. It is Alto's Adventure plus this sort of new mm-hmm. thing that changes the game. Yeah. So yeah. It's no, a, it's a, it's fantastic. it's very good. I. I highly recommend it. It is, I mean, you said it's the gold standard. I said this is this is what a AAA game for iOS looks like, where it's like this is the stuff. This is showing off the platform. This is the this is the the best stuff. It's great. Yeah, it's it is it is as good as a game on iOS can get. Like that's what they've I, gone and done, which is I think so. You know, that's because this is a studio that understands iOS. Like it's where they it's where they came from. It's where it's where their bread and butter is, right? Like that's that's it for them. Like they understand it. This is their thing, and I'm excited to see some of the other games that are coming out of this studio. So you know, built by Snowman has got a bunch of games on the way, including like a skateboarding game. I think it's called Skate City that I'm really excited about. Um, yeah, so and keep they definitely want to keep keep an eye on. Really, really cool stuff. Okay, so should we move into Ask Upgrade? Let's do it. Today's episode and today's Ask Upgrade segment is brought to you by our friends over at FreshBooks. Hey, freelancers, you know how important it is to make smart decisions for your business. FreshBooks is one of the smartest decisions that you can make. They simplify tasks like invoicing, expense tracking, and getting paid online. Because of this, they have drastically reduced the time it takes for their over 10 million customers to deal with their paperwork. I use FreshBooks all the time. We're approaching the end of the month. The end of the month's in two days' time, so we'll be sitting down sending out a bunch of invoices. 
FreshBooks does not make this feel like a chore because it doesn't take me as long as you think that it would take me. I still have 50 invoices to send. I'm done in like half an hour because it's so simple. Like The more you use it, the better it gets because it learns all your other clients. It, you can save items, so it's very easy to just pre-fill invoices. It's super simple. And then I'm not spending tons of time in FreshBooks chasing stuff either because I can see when somebody's received the invoice. I can set up late payment reminders so I don't have to go in and check it all for me. And one of my favorite things is I can see from their system, it learns about your the clients that you're billing. So you can see what their usual payment time is, right? So you may say, pay me in 30 days, but it may take this, this company 45 days to pay you. And FreshBooks will unearth that information for you so you know that you don't have to worry about that invoice yet because it takes them a little bit longer, right? Like It is such a fantastic system. It is built for people that, like me, they send invoices to freelancers, they run small businesses. It's wonderful. If you're listening to this and you're not yet using FreshBooks, but you need to get paid, now is the time to try it. They're offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial to listeners of this show. There's no credit card required. You just go to freshbooks.com slash upgrade to try it out. They'll say, how did you hear about us? You tell them from the Upgrade podcast. Our thanks to FreshBooks for their support of this show. It's freshbooks.com slash upgrade. So our first question this week in hashtag AskUpgrade comes from Rajiv. Rajiv wants to know, Jason, do you use any of the colorblind settings um, in accessibility in iOS? I don't. <laughs> That's the short version of that. Have you I tried don't. Them? I, I tried them. It makes everything look really weird. I, I don't. I don't have a problem differentiating stuff enough for that to be something that I need to turn on. So I turned it on. and I was like, "Whoa, this is really strange," and makes everything look strange. And maybe that's. Uh, you know, I don't. I don't know. Maybe so maybe I, it I, gave I, you it, the colors, right? But it's like you can't. Maybe it gave me the them. colors. I don't want to live in your your Crazy color world. world. It's no. It's it's. Uh, yeah. No, it wasn't necessary for me. I, it's most of the stuff that I I notice is um, sometimes there are games that have actually during the Olympics they had during the finger skating they had these little dots that would be like uh, yellow under review, green means that they completed the whatever, uh, properly and red was that they failed at it. And a little tiny dot that you need to know whether it's red or green. (laughs) Yeah, I can't do that. That, that one's hard, but it rarely happens on iOS. Usually there are games, but they, you know, a lot of those games have a colorblind mode where they change the colors or they do something else to vary it or they put symbols like in them. shapes and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And that, there's usually something like that. Whereas the colorblindness accessibility settings seem to actually like alter the color palette that's shown on the screen. And it just seems strange to me. And it's not, for me, it's not necessary. I'm not quite sure um, who it's for, but I turned it off after trying that briefly. Yeah. I think especially video games. I see a lot of video games really trying hard to cater to colorblindness, which I think is really cool. Yeah, you can't. I mean, that, that's the bottom line. Is like if you've got there was what was the game? I think it was Trism for the an early iOS game where you have to match uh, items by color, and they had a couple of colors that um, were very close for me that that I had a very hard time differentiating, and it made that game impossible to play because I'd be like, "Aha! I'll go here." Oh no. Those aren't the same, right? And I think they added a colorblind mode later on, but it's just one of those things that if you if you don't have a colorblind person, you don't think about it. Um, and so, you know, I, I, it's good that I think most games have learned you, you don't want to differentiate by color like that. Or if you do, you want to offer like an alternate view where the colors are different so that they spread out or that there's a shape or something. 
Jay wants to know, are there any iOS apps that can turn an old iOS device into a HomeKit camera? Now, the only option that I have for you here, there's an app that Federico has used called ManyThing, which can turn an iOS device into a camera, but it doesn't have HomeKit support. But like, it does some of what you want, but not the whole thing. So if you have an old iOS device that you want to turn into a camera, ManyThing can do it, but you have to use the ManyThing app to set up like notifications and that's how you'd go into view it but it's not HomeKit. interesting um i don't have uh anything to add other than steve trotton smith um hacker extraordinaire in terms of like digging through the internals of ios especially um he went down a path i i looked it up when, when i saw this question and decided that um the best the cheapest way to do a uh a HomeKit camera is to buy a $45 Raspberry Pi 0W with camera mar- module um, running HomeBridge. And at that point, it's a HomeKit camera. And so if you if you are feeling like you want to build something yourself a little bit, that uh, for $45 all in, Steve Trotton Smith says, you can get a, uh, you can get a home, a HomeKit camera, um, so yeah, that's that's another thing to look for if you're really into finding a uh, way to do relatively cheap HomeKit cameras. Jonah has asked, how do you deal with text selection on the iPad when writing? Do you frequently use copy and paste or do you drag things around? Uh, what do you do? I do both, but it's way more copy and paste because a lot of the time with the, the drag and drop, it's like... I like drag and drop a lot, but I've already selected the text, <laughs> so I may as well just copy it. And, and this is because a lot of times when I'm copying and pasting, sometimes I'm copying into two different locations. So drag and drop doesn't help because I have to do it all over again multiple times. And the other, like sometimes I just... I just need to, to just just copy it. Like it's I I don't need drag and drop just for like one sentence or like a word. I, I use way more copy and paste than drag and drop for text. I use drag and drop a lot for other things, like for moving files around and stuff like that, and using moving images. But for text, I'm way more uh, in the the getting the grabbies and moving them around and just hitting the copy command. Mm-hmm. I will just say like as an addendum to this, like if you use iOS a lot. You have to get used to reaching out with your hands if you're going to be using a lot of copy and paste. Like This is just the way that it is because keyboard selection isn't amazing or sometimes just straight up doesn't work very well. Uh, and this is where the desire for like people like me and you uh, for a mouse would come in is because yeah. we'd like to be able to, to have more refined uh, text selection. But yeah, mostly yeah, I'm copy and paste. The cursor's already there. Just uh, do that. But anyway, so uh, similar to you, I use both. It depends on the context. One of the things that I do when I'm doing, like this show, I post a link to this show on Six Colors. And what I will do is I actually put my so the Six Colors CMS in split, in split screen with the upgrade show page. And I actually use drag and drop for that. I, I grab the title bar and drag it into the URL field. I grab the um, the description of the show and I drag it into the description on the uh, on the other web page. I grab the title and I drag it. That's all drag and drop. So that's an example of it. If I'm in, um, you know, it, it, yeah, if if I'm using the keyboard, <laughs> uh, I am more inclined to copy and paste. 
but I do I do use both, and I, I haven't really thought about what all the different contexts are. Um, a, a lot of my copy and paste is sort of, um, you know, if I'm if if you can select something and then drag it, and you've got to go through like scrolling and moving and stuff like that, it's easier to just cut it and then paste it. Um, but if you've got something where it's fairly straightforward to just move in that, in the case of uh, this show on six colors, I have to copy like four or five different blocks of content. And so drag and drop is actually way better because I don't want to go back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And, and it's my, and if I was doing, I, I tend not to do huge amounts of text. Like it is a number. So like, let's talk about invoicing one of the big things for me is send an invoice and then drop it into two spreadsheets that we have or a system and a spreadsheet drag and drop's not good for me there it's a five digit number right right like i'll just copy the number and then paste and then paste like I, drag and drag and drop would be too much work in that but instance. urls are great because urls are actually hard to select in exactly. safari on ios mm-hmm. especially they're almost impossible to select it's so frustrating um but you can just drag right out of the bar and drop it somewhere and the URL comes with and it's great. So I use that all the time because it's actually way easier to drag and drop than select. And and your example is the exact opposite where it's way easier to just select that thing and copy it. Yeah, exactly. So it differs, right? Like, but I just for for the majority of tech stuff that I'm doing, drag and drop is a little bit too aggressive. Like it's it's more than I need for some Yeah, and, and and since Jonah was asking about writing I mostly do text selection in a text editor with arrow keys and the shift key, and I copy I do and paste. Too. Yeah, and yeah. I do that. I I do that because I don't want to take my hands off the keyboard, and so mm-hmm. I just do all of it. And if I can, if I can do my text selection and copy and paste, and maybe I reach up and scroll down to another area and then tap and then I paste it in. But you know, I, I most of my writing behavior, I just want to keep my hands on the keyboard and not break stride in that way. And so I'll just use, I'll select and copy. Or cut and paste. All right, Lucas asked, uh, "Do you think that the next version of the regular nine point seven inch iPad, so the cheap one, the the kind of three twenty nine dollar iPad, will get a HDR display?" I don't, by the way. Is my I'm gonna throw it out there. Yeah, I would. I would say, I would say no, <laughs> too, just because they're gonna keep this iPad as cheap as they can for a long time. Yeah. Yep. And and put. The keep the high end features in the iPad Pro, so because that is a real selling price for the ten point five, right? Like this beautiful screen. Don't take yep. away a selling point for the iPad Pro. Like, yep. Even if you could do it, I mean, if it was up to me, even if I could do it, I probably wouldn't do it because you've got to have a differentiation in the line. Like, you've you've got to have that, right? So th- that would make sense to me. And then as a uh, secondary question, which I like to put these two together, Kyle wants to know: Can you tell me what HDR is? Like, I've heard people say this is a big feature in TVs, but I can't really, I'm not really hearing anybody talk about why, and I don't know anything about it. So, Jason, what is HDR? Uh, so, dynamic range is the concept of, like, how, uh, how in this case, how bright and how dark can a display um, go. And so, like, HDR allows more definition between darkness and brightness. And as a result... If you think about it, like imagine your regular TV and then imagine your TV being able to go have the blacks be blacker and the whites be whiter and everything can go from bright to dark. And that has to do with like backlighting on uh, on LCD TVs, uh, having different backlighting zones, but it's more information. HDR means there's more information about 
um, about brightness, uh, luminance. I think that, I think there's a whole bunch of stuff that's wrapped in there. And the result is you end up with a picture that is not just more pixels, but like what you're seeing um, is over a, a wider range. Um, it's hard to describe, but um, if you've seen an HDR picture, um, especially if you've seen it on like something like an OLED, which has kind of amazing uh, black range, but you're going to see that that it's it's more dynamic. There's there, there's more. I mean, I hate to say it. There's more dynamic range. There's it starts. It, there, there's the palette is greater at that point, and it's it's our my words fail me. I mean, it really is one of those things where um, it's a way to improve picture quality that is not based on adding more pixels, but just having the display be more capable of. Uh, a, a wider range of image. And that's a great way of describing it. I'm trying to simplify it, and I'm sure somebody will write in and say, "Well, technically, you should have used this word," and that's probably true. But that's the idea: is that it's it's not. We've been talking about picture quality, and it's been all about like going from SD to HD, from 720 to 1080 to 4K, and HDR is this other piece of it where you can have a 4K, you can have a non-4K HDR, and you can have a 4K non-HDR. Um, but you put them together and that that's an even better combination because you've got lots of pixels and you've got a display that is capable of uh, showing because that's the key is it's not just decoding the HDR data. It's having display that's capable of, um, of displaying a wide dynamic range from darkness to brightness. The easiest way that I think I could describe it would just be like more colors that look better. <laughs> like I don't, that's that's as much as I can do. Like your description is way better, but like, well, dar- like well, it looks yeah, nicer. No, <laughs> it looks nicer, and the dark and darkness and lightness is like a big part yeah. of it. Where it's just like you have the ability to display a lot of TVs that are not HDR. You'll see that like if something's really bright, they ramp up all the backlighting, and if something's really dark, they try to crank down the backlighting. But like if you've got an image that is like super dark here and then super bright here, a lot of those displays are like, eh, well, I can't do that. Like the dark's only going to be kind of dark and the light's only going to be kind of light because I have to choose. And with HDR, they don't have to choose. They can make the darks dark and the brights bright. And the, the display is capable of showing all that information. Um, it's, it's uh, yeah, that's, that's what it is. And I'll say, uh, I just want to give a shout out to a friend of mine is a fantastic YouTube creator called Austin Evans. His name's Austin Evans. Um, and every now and then he does a HDR video on his YouTube channel and they look incredible. So he just did a video like a, he got like a hands-on with a Galaxy, Samsung Galaxy S9 and he did a HDR video. It looks awesome. Like if you watch it on your, on iPads is probably the best place to see it because the HDR. I, I don't know if the YouTube app does HDR on the Apple TV. I can't remember. Obviously, I know it doesn't do 4K, but I, I don't know about the HDR support. Um, but yeah, it looks it looks really good on the iPad. It looks really really good. So we can go check it out there. So yeah, it, it looks really nice. I like the HDR look. If you want to see an example of something that is free, right? That is not a movie, and you want to see what it looks like, well, that's a place that you can that you can go and do that. All right. If you want to catch our show notes for this week, head on over to relay.fm slash upgrade slash 182. 
Uh, I want to take a moment to thank our sponsors again, Anchor, FreshBooks, and Mac Walden. Um, and mentioning Anchor, don't forget to check out Subnet. It's really cool. Stephen Hackett is hosting it. It's just like I like listening to it when I'm making my coffee in the morning. I just get to hear Stephen tell me a couple of headlines, and I'm prepared for the day. It's really cool. So you can go check that yeah. out at relay.fm slash subnet. Um, or you can just ask your smart speaker and get it set up with your smart speaker. It's kind of cool that we've got that going now. If you want to find Jason's work online, you can go to sixcolors.com. You can go to theincomparable.com or you can head on over to relay.fm slash shows where you'll find a bunch of shows that Jason does and a bunch of shows that I do as well. Jason is at jsnell on Twitter. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E. And we'll be back next week. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snell. Bye, everybody. <laughs>